Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He's been here. been there magic down the middle just what i thought a hook shot at 12 good he's been everywhere shot from there and a save and a rebound score yes. with the cup. sobel that's one small step for man ted sobel the man the myth the legend what the hell's going on out here now one-on-one with ted sobel this is ben crenshaw of the pga tour you'll never miss a five foot seven putts when you listen to Ted Sobel. Welcome to our special PGA Championship Week podcast, Touching Greatness, here on the Believe Podcast Network, and I am with Brady Riggs, who is considered to be a top 100 coach. Folks, I have no idea what that means. Top 100 what? From who? Who votes for this? Who cares about it? I know it's important. It's it's sort of like Sir Brady Riggs. Right. Brady, welcome to the cast. Thank you. Happy to be here, Ted. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, the Top 100 list is a golf magazine, uh, Top 100 Teachers in America. Um, for some reason, they put me on that in 2007, and I haven't found my way off of it yet, 12 years later. Must be doing something right. I'm just bribing all the right people as usual. <laughs> um, so that's kind of cool. Um, it's voted on basically by peers first and then goes through a process in a committee or whatever it is. I try not to pay attention to it because however I luck my way onto it, I'm, I don't want to have to analyze it at this point. So, yeah, but it's cool to be on it. Okay, so how do you know when you're not on it? Do, you, do they send you a list? They say thanks for being with us. Yeah, you. Every two years, it's it's amended and okay. adjusted, and then so you you resubmit whatever paperwork you know things you've published or people you're working with, whatever that is, and then they vote on it again. And then if you don't make it at this point, I think I'm put onto an emerit, emeritus list, oh, right? Okay. Which is very nice. It's that a nice, nice way of saying you're no longer on the list, <laughs> but but this way it's not such a hard blow. Gotcha. And we remember you. In, indeed. And that's all that matters, really. Is there an order or is it just 100? No, there is no order. We're all uh, considered of equal value. So 100 uh, is as good as one and you don't even know the difference. And I don't know why there would be. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, like, uh, I think the only people that probably care about the list are those on it. You know, so it, nobody cares. It's it's not that big a deal in in any other circle other than the small golf world. That we it's an in. accolade and a nice thing it to is, go by. It's cool to be on it. Yeah. Uh, golf Digest has a list. Theirs is uh, top fifty, um, and then that's by state also. So that one you can see where you're ranked. I remember one year I went from 39th in California to 16th, and I have no idea what I did <laughs> to make it, you know, that much better. Now I'm fifth in California. Really? I am. I, you know, I don't, I don't. Again, up the ladder. I, I still don't know what I've done. I could very likely be 45th next year and, <laughs> and not know what I did to get down the list. So, you know, those things are all cool, but they're they are what they are. Okay, so we're here at Hanson Dam, yes. your new uh, house of uh, worship, and it, it, you know what? It's a beautiful course. I haven't played here in at least a quarter of a century but it's the first time i've done a podcast with birds in the background which i appreciate you know it's very strange here because when you're driving in on glen oaks boulevard you literally think you've you've somehow become part of the set of mad max right because (laughs) there's these campers and you don't know what is going on and then you turn in and it's weird because it's kind of this beautiful little sanctuary right in the middle of pacoima um yes it's possible and it's cool because i'm a public course guy you know, I grew up at Griffith Park, and I've never wanted to be at a private club. 
I always want to be able to teach who I want when I want and this place gives me that opportunity and I just feel much more at home if I don't have to dress up. So. And this is my home away from home because uh, you didn't know and nobody I know knows. My first three or four years on this planet, I lived in Pacoima. Wow, and you managed to still be here. Well, Congratulations. in those days, it was only dairies down wow. the street. Seriously, it was dairies and orange groves. Who this knew? is a long time ago. Yeah, back And then. Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Indeed, I was going to say, was it black and white then too? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, you were at Woodley for how many years now? I was at Woodley for 22 years, wow. um, which was bizarre. I never thought I'd be there that long. Um, started in 96 there. Kind of moved over here pretty much full time about a year ago. And I love it here, and I'm, I don't have any plans on going anywhere else. So it's a good place for me. It's a great setup. Anybody wants to come here, and Brady, you're like up to five dollars an hour. Is that what you charge? Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. That's good. That's good. A little under five hundred an hour. Uh, <laughs> if you want to come by here and check this place out, he owns the side of this place by himself. Yes. Not literally owns, because it is city land, right? It is city land, and they've been very kind to give me my space down here, which is cool. The pro shop is opening up soon, which is great. We've got a guy named Bobby Cavanaugh who runs the joint. He really cares about golf, and you can kind of feel it in all the little things that you sort of miss at a public course. Like we were saying, they, they actually rake the bunkers every morning, which is nice. You know, people have a tendency not to rake the bunkers all that well when they play. So after like a long weekend at a public course, sometimes Mondays are a bit challenging. Yeah, I bet. But they're actually pretty good every day out here. So those little things make a difference. Challenging. What about this course itself? What have they done here in the last, I don't know, let's just say 10 years to, to the course itself? They grew the trees. They grew them, really? Yes. In yeah. 10 years? Yes, the trees, wow. the trees are, this is a classic, you know, great parkland city course fairways are running adjacent trees in between you know it's kind of what you'd expect coming to a city golf course this one's kind of neat because there are some elevation changes on the front nine which are cool um, it's got plenty of length which is nice for a public course it's not super short you can play tees all the way to from the blacks which are significantly longer than most public golf courses so it's fun it's a neat challenge the greens are enormous so you'll feel good when you hit your, you know, 14 greens of regulation. You probably will three putt seven of them, but <laughs> but it's fine. For a public golf course, it's it's great. It, it's exactly what you're hoping for. And anybody who's ever played here before, I always have to bring up hole number 10. Yes. Because it's sort of like uh, hitting from one community to another when you're standing at the top of the hill there. It's a very weird hole. Yes. Uh, the tee is elevated and the green is higher than the tee. So if you think about that, you're hitting down to the fairway and then your second shot, you're hitting straight up a hill. In fact, it's so uphill that the flag itself is twice the normal height just so you can see it from the fairway. So it's a pretty weird hole. But, you know, I wonder how you can compare it to 18 at Riviera, the uphill part. Yes. Would this, this would be a little more steeper, wouldn't it? It's certainly steeper. Yeah. If, if I was uh, in high school again, and we used to do this at DeBell late in the day. Actually, it was when it was dark. We'd get some ice blocks okay. from a car wash on Alameda Avenue. And we'd, we'd grab the ice blocks and we'd go to DeBell. And we'd go down a few of the fairways at DeBell sitting on the ice blocks. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Good, clean, fun, yes. But 10 at Hanson Dam. <laughs> if, this is the Mount Kilimanjaro. You of, could get hurt block, doing that. You certainly, you'd pick them some speed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. All right, uh, prominent students. Yes. Let's talk okay. about some of your students that people would recognize anywhere in this country and some places in the world even. Yeah, I've had a few over the years. Um, I always feel like when you get fired from somebody, then you shouldn't claim them as yours anymore. So if I've worked with them in the past, then they're in the past for me. Currently, I've got Brandon Hagee on the PGA Tour. 
uh, Kenny G, who I'm sure you've heard of. Um, those are two that kind of come to mind right off the bat. I'm working with some other uh, celebrities' kids, so I'd probably rather not say who they are at this point. But, you know, I've definitely had my, my May-December romances with people over the years in terms of good players and celebrities and athletes, and they all bring different things to the table. Um, you know, I worked with Marcus Allen for a while. Yep. It was a lot of fun. I taught Johnny Bench and some other guys. I've got some great stories that aren't so PG uh, with, with a couple of those guys. By the but... way, do you, I don't know if we ever told you this story, but Johnny Bench once caddied for me Shut up. in the Pro-Am at the Kraft Nabisco before it was the A&A. He didn't caddy for me intentionally. I was playing with Sherry Steinhauer, okay. who lives there in Rancho Mirage. I remember it like it was yesterday, and Johnny met us in the middle of the round, six, seven, eight, whatever it was, and he stayed with us the rest of the day. He lives there too. And he's friends with Sherry, so he just hung with us. And all he wanted to do was shag my balls that went into the water. And he kept going in there looking for new ones. And I said, this is the greatest thing of all time. I got Johnny Bench as my caddy. It's unbelievable. So if he could hold seven baseballs in his hand, <laughs> how many of your golf 400. balls? 400. <laughs> By the way, he had one of the golf ball retrievers. I'm where sure you, he did. you I mean the long one, where right. you put it into the water. And he said, you have no idea, Ted, how much fun I have finding these loose balls. I said, you got to be kidding me. Hall of Famer Johnny Bench. Okay, you know. Uh, you learn I, something new every day, don't you? You do. I'll give you a quick Johnny Bench story. So okay. we're in uh, we're in Palm Desert. And by the way, wonderful guy. I oh, love I love playing really, with really him. Really good dude. Really good dude. And a good golfer. Yeah, really sure. good. So we were. I was helping him out. I was giving him some lessons down in Palm Desert uh, through a mutual friend of mine named Sandy, who's one of the all-time great storytellers. Anyway, okay. so we're uh, we work all day at, at Mission Hills, and we decide to go to dinner. There's about seven of us, and now we're talking December in Palm Desert. It's kind of busy, right? So he said, let's go to P.F. Chang's. We head over to P.F. Chang's. And I mean, there's people spilled out, you know, out of the waiting for a table. I'm like, there's no way we're going to get a table, you know. So Johnny says, you guys stay here for a second. He walks in and about a minute later he comes out and he goes, let's go. So uh, I have never felt more uncomfortable walking through a lobby of a restaurant because all these poor people that were sitting there for hours probably on end, we just strolled right in. He's Johnny Bench. He's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. So anyway, we get in there and Sandy starts telling the story. Sandy's, Sandy's a golfer and at the Olympic Club, Sandy set a record. Now this story, of course, took about 20 minutes. You can okay. <laughs> but Sandy's telling it and he's regaling us of how at the Olympic Club, he had five cheeseburgers at the turn. Now the cheeseburgers at the Olympic Club are special. They're actually on a hot dog bun. And they're cut lengthwise, and they're pretty spectacular, I have to say. But five? He had five. Okay. So he was telling us how incredible this was and how they gave him a plaque, and <laughs> you know, it was fabulous. And next time we're there, we should check it out. And Johnny's sitting there the whole way listening. And so in one of the all-time greatest amounts of smack I've ever heard, <laughs> he gets done with the story. Bench looks at him and he goes, that's a great story, Sandy. I got a plaque, too. It's at Cooperstown, you know. <laughs> the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and he goes, they give you one of these. And he's, he's this huge Hall of Fame rank. That's beautiful. It was pretty fantastic. That's great. That sounds like Johnny. Johnny Bench. Yes. Yeah. Not a bad name. Can you describe your teaching style in words? Mm. How do you describe yourself compared to Ledbetter or some okay. of the famous names out there? What makes you different? I know what's different, mm. but how do you describe it? Um... Well, it's evolved as time has moved on. You know, hopefully we're getting better all the time. You know, if you're a teacher, you want to learn from your own screw-ups, right? Um, I think, one, I don't try to make anybody do anything like anybody else. 
I think that's really important. You know, we all come with our strengths and weaknesses and you have to acknowledge those. So trying to make you swing like Tiger probably wouldn't be a good idea. No offense to Tiger, but you know, he can't <laughs> get to your level. Um, so there's that. And then I think generally, like I really want to tap into whatever works for that person in terms of their background as an athlete or whatever that is. So for example, if I have somebody who needs to, they need, they need to swing the club down on a more inside path. Okay. Okay. So I can talk to them about how their hips need to move more laterally or they need to feel more weight in their left quadricep muscle. I mean, there's any litany of things you could go through to pick out a body part and, and try to change the pattern. But I would rather say, hey, did you play baseball? If you did, you know, can you start it over the second baseman's head? And I might use my foot to draw a line on the ground instead. Or if they played tennis, if you're standing on the left side of the baseline, yeah. how would you hit a passing shot cross court? Okay. You know, those are all mechanics that help people sort of picture what they're trying to do. So my first way of t trying to help somebody would be a big general idea that, that uses their background. And then if I had to get into specific stuff, I would. But I try to make it as simple as I can so that they can understand what they're trying to do. But I don't want to make it incomplete either. So that's what I'm trying to do all the time. I'm trying to make it functional. I love what you did to me originally. You said, you know, Ted, whatever your swing is like, be athletic. Mm -hmm. Swing like you want to hit the ball hard. It's yeah. okay, right? Totally. Yeah, nobody has ever thrown a strike 3-0 and <laughs> with the bases loaded right. and the winning run on third trying to throw a strike. Right. Right. You try to throw a not you try not to throw a ball there and you're gonna throw a ball. Golf's no different. You know, same thing like shooting a free throw. Try not to miss a free throw, you'll miss the free throw. Golf's the same way. You know, you're way better off if you let it go. You know, so I always say if you're gonna make a mistake, make a big mistake, because then at least it's free, you know, and you're more than likely to hit the fairway when you're trying to hit hard than you are when you're trying to hit it straight. So Rory even had a, a great quote a few uh, months ago he said when I have to hit a drive that I really have to hit the fairway on I try to hit as hard as I can and I think that's great advice for anybody obviously you don't want to fall over and there's right. certain things you want to but if, if you're if you're steering it this is the wrong game man it's not going to happen for you okay uh one of the things I remember that you taught me I, I'm almost sure it was you uh -oh. it was well, yeah uh -oh. let me hear what it is before I take it over. hit through the ball don't hit the ball does that sound like something yeah, you would have said yeah I think just like people they tend to break up the swing, you know. They have the takeaway, right? And then they got the backswing. They get the top, and then they got the start down, and they got impact, and it's and then the release. It's like, by the way, you play 18 holes already by the time you finish that first swing. No doubt. And think about your poor brain that's going through the <laughs> gymnastics, right? You're trying to stand over it. So, if you kind of take all that away, and you make it more like a swing, you know, the swing happens to go back and go forward, and it goes up and it goes down, but it's still like a motion you're making. And to, to kind of chop it up is a, you're just not going to have it work. You know, nobody's ever played with a damn thinking about their backswing. You know, so that's a thing you maybe work on on the range. But on the golf course, man, you can't have that stuff. You're talking about, I always want a positive through to the finish thought, which is right. kind of what we're talking about, right? right? So I want it something to be like get to my finish and balance or throw the club head down the, to the target. Something that's positive through the ball so that I can be aggressive rather than worrying about a, a piece of it. Okay, so I want you to say, Ted, I love what you came up with for your own swing, or I think it's really stupid. Okay, okay. because tempo is so important, right, in the swing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I came up with, for me, one, going back, 
two. I, let's see. I'm not sure what the two is, but it's like there's a one, two, three tempo, okay. right? So it's one, two, through. Ooh. One, two, two and through. through the ball. Is that a good swing thought in your mind? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Okay. Would you tell that to anybody or you would uh, keep I, it, say, I, Ted, keep it to yourself? <laughs> well, I'll give you one that I've used. I'm trying to get credit for something here that could become yeah, we'll, a value down we'll the road. See. You okay, may we'll get see. published. We'll oh, see. Oh, wow. Uh, so I had a student who was struggling with her chipping technique, pitching technique. And By the way, like, you hear that in the background, that's Brady's private plane. They'll be landing soon. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to explain the chipping technique to them, and I said, you could say it's like Tiger Woods, you know, going through. Oh, okay, through. right. You know, and so <laughs> she, and she told me, she goes, I much prefer Brady Riggs. Okay. And I said, that works that for me works? too. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, something like that, some little mantra that you're saying as you go. That's that's the stuff that great players do. They're always having some little running check, dialogue, cue, something to help them stay on task with what they're doing and not get caught up worrying about what might happen. But they would them. only do that on the range. They wouldn't do that while they're well, playing, there's right? There's no way that great players don't have swing thoughts. No, no, but I mean, they wouldn't be thinking one, two, they, would you'd they? You'd be shocked. Really? Yes, you'd be surprised. Like, I could see DJ trying to hit the ball in half, and he's going, one, two, I, I can't picture it. it, it ha there's, those types of things happen all the time. Great players are thinking. They really are. It may be something incredibly simple, but nobody ever plays well not thinking about anything. Okay. So, in fact, we know that you're much better off if you're picturing the target as you're swinging. Right. Or picturing the shot shape, where it's going to start, how much it's going to curve, that kind of stuff. But that's a lot easier to think about than your actual swing, right? Because you otherwise you're going to mess up your head too much. Too much in there is not a good thing. True. But I would say that the, the body doesn't react to words. It reacts to sensations, okay. to feels. So telling yourself a lot of things during the swing, that doesn't really work trying to connect yourself to different feels you're having as you're swinging is the way to go you know so it may be like I f if I want to hit a fade I feel like I'm I'm making the club work left through the ball that way the path gets left to the face and the ball curves to the right so for that feeling it may be that you need to feel like you're hitting it over the third baseman's head that might be a good thought for you okay you know so there's all those things that that we have in our heads as we're going there's nothing wrong with that stuff you just want to limit it if you can and you want to make sure it's always a positive you know, thinking don't, the brain doesn't differentiate don't from, from, from do. <laughs> right. All they hear is, like, if you say uh, don't come over the top, you know, that doesn't work. You're coming over the top. That's what it hurt. So you need to instead say, I need to come more from the inside or picture the inside route or see a line on the ground, whatever those things are. Right. But it has to be an affirmative. Okay. It really does. Is this the long way of telling me? I'm never going to see on BradyRiggs.com on the main page, one, two, through. I'm going to do a little investigation on that one, Ted. Let me see if it'll work. <laughs> if it does, I'll give you full credit. But, but doesn't it have sort of a good ring to it? And also reminding you, hit through the ball, yeah. that you want to look on the other side of the ball, not the front of the ball. I think you're, you taught me that 100 years ago. You're a lot of boxes there, Ted. You are. Yeah, you, but it's, but it's it short. simple. I know. Right? It's on the target side of the ball, which is great. Those are all the things that we want. We want it to be that. Okay, good. I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking, could this be the next title of your book? It could be. <laughs> so I'll give you one, a... two. I'm through with Ted Sobel. I think is going to be the name of it. Not at all. We love it. So I'll give you a Warren Spahn story. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. By the way, tell anybody under the age of fifty who Warren Spahn is. I, I know it's, uh, we're, we're, but you know who listens to your podcast anyway, right? So what are we That's worried true. about? Okay. Most of those people, their hearing is gone, exactly. so it doesn't even matter. They don't even know if it's on. <laughs> 
So Warren Spahn uh, was pitching the World Series. I probably get the story a little bit wrong, but the, the point of it is the same. So anyway, he's pitching a gym. 57 probably. Okay. Uh, pitching coach comes out before he faces the batter and says, whatever you do, don't throw this guy a low inside fastball and knock it out of the park. So he's walking away and Spahn says, why would anybody say that to somebody that way? You know, why would you say don't throw a low inside fastball, right. low inside fastball, low inside fastball? Throws Boom. a low inside fastball, goes over the left oh, field wall. God. You know, so it, it just it shows you like you'll go to the thought, you know. So if you're standing, if you let's say you play a hole and you hate a hole, there's OB right on the fourth hole or whatever it is. And you always hit it OB there. Well, if you're standing on that tee and you're saying, whatever I do, don't yeah, hit OB do, right, you're, you're don't dead. hit OB right, you're going to hit OB right. A very simple way to help yourself with golf is try to hit the ball left. You know, think I'm going to hit it down. There's the a new concept. I know it seems weird and overly <laughs> simplistic, but it really does kind of come down to stuff like that, where it's like the thing that you're telling yourself you'll work towards. You give yourself a negative, you're going to go there every time. Okay, so I need to tell everybody who Warren Spahn was. Yes. He's another Hall of Famer, baseball, Indeed. right? Indeed. Great Milwaukee Brave. Yes, Milwaukee um, Braves. Actually was on the team the first time I saw the Braves play the Dodgers at the Coliseum in 1959. Old. Damn, am I old, huh? You are old. I was, it's I unbelievable. Was close to being born. Yet. No, you, not even a thought. No, I was, I was born in 68, so you Wow. We're talking a full, almost decade. Okay, ahead. well, I'm going to be depressed here. As I age rapidly, let's yes. talk about the PGA Championship. By the way, we are talking <laughs> to and with Brady Riggs, top 100 teacher. Remember that. Indeed. 101 is not good enough. It not never does the job. Yep. Okay, let's talk about the Tiger comeback. Yes. Okay, I was really fortunate to be there. Unbelievable. It really was amazing. I was standing off the 18th green when he won, but there were so many people I couldn't see him. Oh, so wow. all I wanted to do was take it in. That's all I did. I just wanted to listen. And it was a famous tiger roar like you cannot believe when you're there live. Yes. And an incredible place to be at. Uh, I also was there when he won it in 08 oh, at wow. Torrey Pines. Okay. And with a gentleman by the name of Eddie Marins, who at that time was teaching Rocco Mediate, which I did not know until I bumped into him on Monday morning of that playoff. Wow, that's very cool. It'll be in my book. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Marins, um, you know. Yes, you have a little uh, close tie-in with I him, do, don't you? For absolutely no reason. <laughs> uh, Eddie was voted in to SCPGA Teaching Hall of Fame, which was long overdue. They just sort of started the Hall of Fame, so Eddie would be on the first class of that. Somehow I got in at the same time as Eddie under that, and I, I still don't. First of all, <laughs> sure, I don't deserve it. And secondly, I know I'm not old enough to be in a Hall of Fame yet. So I don't. Did Eddie have a problem with that at all? Like, what the hell are you doing no, here? No, he kind of looks <laughs> sideways at me like, who is this clown? <laughs> did, do you know Eddie? I do. I, know right, I mean, did you know him well before that? I, I've known of Eddie for a long, long time. Yeah, but know him personally. Uh, yes. Like, I deal with him. On a couple occasions. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, so yeah, he really, knew you. Yeah, really good guy. Yep. Really good guy. He's been top like 10 and not top 100 forever Eddie, right? Eddie wrote the book yeah he, exactly. he started the list swing yeah. the handle swing the handle that's what it's about yeah I've known a lot of people that played at UCLA when he was the coach there and worked with him over the years and you know you can the great thing about swing the handle is you can you can kind of make that whatever you want it to be exactly you know I mean it can be whatever that is for you it's kind of a great thing to have, right? Because sort of like one, two, through. Indeed, you might. You it's almost might just exactly make it, the same. I'm going to call Eddie right now. <laughs> one, two, through may be even a little more specific than swing the handle. Wow! Now you give me an idea to write another book. There's another book. Exactly. As as I get credit, can I, can I finish the damn first one first? <laughs> it's taking you a while. Though. Yeah, please. A year and a half, but who's counting? Uh, so uh, speaking of uh, Tiger, you know, Eddie did 
teach him a little bit. He's had a few moments with him here and there. That's what he told me throughout the years. Mm -hmm. What about the comeback? I mean, we talked about this previous, yes. how amazing it is for a lot of reasons. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing accomplishment. Is it more amazing in golf terms than Ben Hogan almost dying no, on a road? No, not even close. No, I don't think so. Is, is the 2019 Masters a more spectacular sporting event than the 1986 Masters? Hell no. From my perspective although some people who covered both said it. they would it's right it. there it's it's one a one b okay i i don't disagree with that okay however tiger shot 70 in the final round this year jack didn't shoot 70 in the final round you know that that was a different round completely got it you know i i think in a lot of ways um we see the brilliance of tiger along in, uh, in terms of his intelligence in, you know, there, there was no smarter golfer than Tiger Woods except for maybe Jack, and I don't know, maybe he's past Jack at this point in terms of just just your ability to get around a golf course and be smart and not beat yourself. There's a reason he won all those majors without ever having getting caught from behind because he's just that smart. He was not going to do something stupid on 12 right. like everyone else did, right? All those other guys didn't know their history. Although he also said that could be that swirling wind around there that it affected them. He said Tony Finau hit a perfect shot and the wind caught it and boom, it's in the creek. Yes, I, I'm sure that can happen. But, but by the same token, Jack never hit it in the water there and, and Tiger doesn't either. Right. You know, they hit a club. I did, by the way, it, twice. It, I, look at here's the brilliant, <laughs> that hole is phenomenal, right? I mean, it's, it's as a left-handed golfer, it's a much easier hole. Oh, I never thought about that. Here's why. The green runs diagonally away from a right-handed player to the right. Okay. So let's say you have enough club to clearly carry the right edge of the front bunker. Okay. Not get all the way back to the right, right. hole location, but to get over that right edge of the bunker. Well, as a right-handed player, when you pull a short club, it goes further. This is a problem because the azaleas are right there if you fly <laughs> over the green, not to mention the back bunker. So if you pull it as a righty, you're in the azaleas. If you flare it a little bit right, it goes shorter than your normal distance as a okay. right-hand player. You're in the water. Does this also depend on pin placement? It, it doesn't. It's just the, the facts of a right-handed player okay. hitting a short iron. Got it. Pulls go further, pushes go shorter. Well, the way the hole's designed, you're screwed either way, but you're especially screwed if you push it. Now, if you're a lefty playing that hole and you pick the same target right over the right edge of the bunker and that's your yardage, well, if you pull that, it goes further. You hit it right, but it went further. You might stiff it to a back hole location, not even meaning to. If you push it or flare it a little bit and it goes left, that's shorter, that still has a really good chance of getting on the green. So the way the hole is designed, it's sort of it's sort of built for a lefty to be more successful than a righty. Okay. And if you don't know your history and you don't know where to aim there and you haven't studied, then you could make a mistake there and, and hit it in the water. And the reason why DJ is not the PGA champ or the Masters champion and Kepka hadn't won his fourth out of six majors, right. whatever the heck it was, was because he hit in the water. They, they were tied second by That's a shot. That's true. You know? Yeah, if but that thing was totally wide open down the stretch. I, I, it could have been six guys. I totally, I totally agree with that. But that's two shots for both guys who both finished second by a shot. Absolutely. Either one could have a green jacket right now if, they, didn't, if they weren't stupid or, yeah. or make a mistake of yeah. that mantra. Obviously, I'm not calling them stupid. They're no, I know. I know. I'm just saying, like, the way the hole's designed, you can't miss right. You just can't miss right. So you got to take a club that you can pull and be fine and, and deal with it. And Nicholas won six times doing that. Tiger knows his history. He did the right thing. He made his par. He won the green jacket. Can we talk about the time I played number 12? 
Do you what know? Happened on do, do you remember that story? I, I, I'm sure I, I told you. I, maybe I tried to block it out, but go yes, ahead. Yes, it's, it's not a one-two through story. This was totally one-two. I like that. One and two is twelve. Anyway, in a different way. Uh, here's what happened. Do you remember what Jordan Speed did to screw up his entire sure. green jacket? Okay, what did he do? He uh, hit it right, and then he took a drop in a place he probably shouldn't have. Right. And made his life more miserable, and yep. tried to hit it in the water. I tried, you know, he hit it in the water another time, and basically washed away his masters. Exactly. Yes. So what I did was almost the same thing. I hit the tee shot, the same place. I think it was about 151 yards, yep. maybe. Right. Is. Okay. Seven iron for me. Uh, hit it a little thin, but I thought it was okay, just to get up above the bank, and it hit like about a foot short of the green on the bank and rolled into the creek, all right? So my caddy says to me, you want to go to the drop area? And I said, hell no, I'm never playing here again. I want to go for it. I don't really care. Mm -hmm. You know, my score was, ended up 103, I think I shot, right? Fair enough. Okay, so I said, no, I, don't, I want to hit one more. And we were dodging rain, uh -oh. okay? It was coming, like heavy thunderstorms. Mm -hmm. We had to finish. I said, let me just get one more shot in. And then I hit this one worse. Uh -oh. I pushed it to the right. And it went shorter. And it went a little shorter and splash right into Ray's Creek, right? So we go to the drop area. And what did uh, what did Jordan do? He uh, he he dropped it on a lie. Was that a chunk or? It was a chunk. Yeah. It was on a lie that was very easy to chunk it from. Okay, I got slide hill down, slide down slope, kind of wet. Right. Because it had been raining yep. as well, and a really really tough shot. He would have been actually way better off hitting again from the. Wow. From I never the, thought uh, about it that way. He would have been better off hitting either again from the tee. Like I did, and, yeah. and I put it in the water again. Because you know what that club is. You can, you can put your hand on the ball so you can put a tee underneath it. It's Got just, it. you're better off doing the known than to go on a slope that's that tough. I mean, it was, it was almost, it was a much harder shot. Yeah, opinion. and very, I, he looked totally embarrassed when it happened. You're shell-shocked. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's basically, it's a little, I don't mean to, to cheapen, it was a little right. fog of golf war, if you will, right? <laughs> you're just like, it's all happened so fast, and you had this lead, and you're going to obviously cruise to your second green jacket, and now in five minutes, yep. it's all changed, and you're just not thinking right anymore. It's all sped up, and you're you're gone, you know, and it he happens. actually, after that, he sort of, he did, he he did okay, down, didn't he? He was okay. But, like, in that moment, the the madness that was going on yeah, in that hole. Crazy. It's just yeah, crazy. One of the strangest holes in the history of the game, isn't it? You know, like, Augusta does that to people. Yes, it does. I mean, the old saying, term starts the back nine on Sunday. They're not kidding. They're not kidding. You know, I mean, you go through that golf course and talk about 10 or 11 or any of those holes, except for maybe 14, almost every hole on that back nine, you can think of somebody offing themselves, Right. It's spectacular. You yep. know, I mean, that's why we love it so much. Yep. I mean, 13, you know, you've got Curtis Strange. You've got, you know, 15, obviously, Seve and what, what happened to him and this year to Molinari. And, yep. and, and the list goes on and on on the back nine. So, yeah, you you need to really know your history on that side. Okay. And you got to make sure you're in the right places and don't make the big mistakes because there are ways to make up shots. You just you can't make double on 12. You just can't do that. You can make bogey like Jack did in yep. six and win the golf tournament. Exactly. You just can't make double. Okay, so finish my story on number yes. 12. So okay. I'm in the drop area, and then I literally oh, no. made the worst shot in the world, and I didn't tell anybody that I knew you, that you even yeah, helped no. me with please, my swing. Please, I could have ruined your career yeah. immediately. My caddy says, where the hell did that come from? I mean, I chunked it right into the water like I did it on purpose. Oh, it was so bad. And I wasn't nervous. I was just having fun. It was just the worst shot I've ever hit in my life.
So what am I lying now? I got I got two got, misses on the tee. Well, you got three in the water, basically. Yep. So you're one in the water, Not two out. Not basically, for yeah. sure. One in the water, two out, three in the water, four yep. out, five in the water, six out. So yep. you're hitting your seventh I'm now. hitting my seventh shot, so I hit so it. Now you're thinking, can I can I stay in single digits on this hole? Uh, I'm thinking, can I hole out cool. from... Okay. That's what I'm because thinking. Remember, on, this is, by the way, this is a Sunday pin placement. Well, so you know where that is, right? Based on these the very recent history you've had hitting three straight shots in the water, I can see how you'd be exuding confidence. (laughs) Boy, is that a coach for you? Anyway, so I'm hitting seven, right? Did you hold it out? No, I did not hold it out. No, I didn't hold it out, but I hit a good shot that almost hit the flag on the way down and just trickled off the green. Now this is a Sunday pin placement. So it's down by the the right on the right side near the right bunker. Fringe back. No, no, I'm not in the fringe. I'm in the bunker. Ooh, okay. So now, you've got no, the- now, now, before we go anywhere, okay. I want you to tell me, you know that pin placement, right? Yeah. Okay. So how difficult is that pin placement for that bunker? Well, it's difficult for a professional. Why? Well, it depends on where you are in the bunker. If you've just barely trickled into the bunker and you're slightly on the upslope, you got a shot at it. Yeah, I was sort of at the bottom of the upslope. If you're on the bottom of the bunker, it's, a, it's more challenging and God forbid you've gotten towards the back. No, I wasn't at the back. Then, I was you're, near the front. then you're cooked. I was near the front. So if you're in the front, you got a you got a shot at it. Right. Obviously, you got to it's got to come out incredibly soft. Yep. You have to, you know, choose a line that's either well left of the flag so that if you're missing, you're missing into the fringe that's sort of on the back of the green or right with the possibility of maybe hitting a little too far and going into the front bunker, but at least you take the possibility of hitting it into the water. Now, again. how strong is that possibility with a master's speed? Of the greens with master speed now, this is the next day this is a monday right. after the match and they didn't touch it so as my caddy said it's still very fast but it's not championship sunday fast i mean it's really hard it's okay. it's basically it's the old line you're standing you're you've got a you're, you're hitting a ball from the roof of your car and you're trying to stop it on your front windshield that's the shot. Okay. Wow. Okay. It, it's oh. very, very hard. Yes, it's, it is. It's not okay. So I'm I'm lying. Seven. Lying eight. seven, hitting eight. Right. Okay. So. So now the basically have have, have so, the sunset yet? You've been on this hole for a while. No, I I just want to finish this because it's a it's a no, great. No, story. I mean you've actually been on that hole for quite some time. Oh yeah. Forget sunset. We're worried about this rain coming. And you're running out of golf balls at this point. And right? my caddy says to me exactly that, Ted. Uh-oh. You're not losing any more balls. He went down to be a human wall. Nice. So he's playing basically catcher. Yes. Or a goalie. Is it? He did better than Johnny Bench for me that time. He didn't have his glove with him. Uh-oh. But he was standing. He did need to. Uh, did he have to make a save? Oh, hold on. Uh-oh. So he went straight, like on the other side where the pin was, yeah. straight down the way to protect, right? Yeah. And the other caddy says, I'm going to protect the right side over here, like another 20 feet over wow. or something like that. So there, all hands we had a force on deck at yep. this point. Yeah. And they're all there. So I looked up, and I and I I'll never forget. I, I could see the hole from where I was. It wasn't because it's, it's not a deep no, bunker, it's not deep, no. right? So I could see the hole, and I and I just dug in, and that sand, by the way, is incredibly soft. Oh, it's like the softest I've ever felt ever. Right, but it's not it's not beach sand soft. No, no, no. It's perfect playable. It's totally perfect, yes. and I call it. It felt like hitting cotton candy. Mm, that's nice. that's my way of saying it. So I hit the ball the most perfect trajectory in the world, really high up, and it landed just off the fringe, and it started to roll, and it rolled straight into the damn cup. No way. Yes way. 
My caddy said that's the greatest eight, and he said he's been working there for 25 years. The greatest eight he's ever seen there in his life. That's fabulous. No way. I now I I, I love that reaction from my top 100 pro. Sorry, I didn't mean for the shock to spill. <laughs> but you so basically what you're saying yes. is you played the 12th hole at Augusta. Yep. And in that hole, you had a combination of Jordan Spieth, <laughs> right? Yes. Tin Cup. Yes. Right. Yes. And Bob Tway. What did Bob Tway do at 12? He hold out. Well, he didn't do it at 12, but he hold out oh, okay. at the 86 PGA to beat okay. Greg I'm Norman. thinking that Augusta, though. No, so you, okay. you, 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 were, you were tapping into different generations. It's fabulous. What a great story. Isn't that the grade eight? Yeah, so you would much better hitting it on the green three-putting. You'd never I, I have an unbelievable story to tell forever, right? Indeed. I asked Ben Crenshaw about it. I asked Gary Player and a couple other ex-Masters champ or former. Uh, you know, if anybody could hit that shot, it would be Gary Player for sure. Yes, and they all just said, wow, that's pretty impressive. That's and pretty I said, impressive. yeah, not the eight isn't. I didn't, tell him the, I didn't tell him the eight until the end, by the way. That was for eight? <laughs> I hold out of the back bunker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. On the Sunday pin placement. Exactly. By the way, then I birdied uh, 13. Wow. Yep. Wow. You were on fire. Yep, and then it was all downhill literally from there. Think it how was awful. How many guys would have traded in? their score on 13 for years over the years right <laughs> made a huge difference it could have it could have been a master's uh you been. are in the same spot although we didn't do it at hanson dam that uh, ben crenshaw was in because i talked to him at the mm-hmm. masters for one of my podcasts and i said to him you and i had the exact same putt on 13 yours oh. yours was for a green jacket because that catapulted him into the top of the leaderboard mm-hmm. the second time he won it yeah. yep and that was his birdie putt. I think it was a birdie or eagle. I, I can't remember now. I think it was a birdie. I'm I not sure though. I think it was a birdie. The but, 80, the for me, the 84 win for him is the one that sticks the most. Oh I really? Was, yeah, I was 16 years old. Okay. I mean, golf was you know like. The other yeah. one sticks with me because he was older. Nobody sure. thought he had a chance, and he was crying afterwards. And remember, the, his teacher just died, and the Harvey whole thing. Harvey just died. Yep. He was a pallbearer at his funeral yep. that week exactly. with Tom Kite. I mean, it's a great story. It's right? Incredible. I mean, story. one of those things that sort of makes us love sport even more exactly. you know, that somebody could do that but i mean 84 was the putt on 10 i'll never forget that putt on 10 he made a birdie on 10 from the front of the green the pin was in wow, the back left hole location had 60 feet it was probably one of the all-time greatest putts ever made and from yeah, one of the all-time greatest putters indeed. and that's one of the things i think you know so we all can make a 60 footer right right i mean blind squirrel right? right but at some point like that isn't luck when somebody who putts that well on a green that's that hard and that fast with everything on the line does that that now becomes one of the greatest putts in history it isn't it isn't just that it was a 60 foot of course it was who did it where they did it and what it meant anyway my birdie putt on 13 was almost it had to be within two inches of where he made his in 95 it was this big curling putt which i didn't read it correctly thank god my caddy did Mm. and he said you put it right here and i did and it just curled right in there and i said you know what i love this game and then it was back to double bogeys all over the place corner was good to you sort of (laughs) sort of exactly Uh, we're not talking about 10 by the way moments you had yes i had okay so tiger's comeback was unbelievable yes does he have any edge this week because he won an 0-2 at bethpage because um, it's a little different, and he's a lot different. Yeah, he's a completely different. I mean, probably. I mean, he tends to have ways of playing the same course real well. We've seen that with Tory, and, and and definitely seen that with Pebble over the years, and we've seen that 
But it's a Bay different Hill. tiger now, I'm thinking. You know, his it swing is, is different. He knows the golf course. Okay. And, and, and confidence gonna, is confidence, too, nobody's right? Nobody's going to dissect a course better than Tiger. Yep. There's no question about that. Should um, he be the favorite? Wow. Because he's co-favorite. I, I I don't know. That's that's a weird I, I think, I mean, he's certainly in the top five guys you'd think would have a very good shot this week. He hasn't played since the Masters. It's a little weird. Yeah. You know, take that much time off. Um I don't know. I, I, this golf course is going to penalize people who are missing fairways. That's for sure. So He better be on. I think this is going to be a test that we may see some pretty big guys, pretty big name players miss this cut. Really? It's the strongest field. It's the first time in history they've had the top 100 in the world playing in a major at the same time. Not counting Justin Thomas, who had to w- withdraw. Uh, well, you don't have to ruin it. That's where it was, though. I mean, he was going to play. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so you're right. 99 out of 100 yeah. is pretty good. No, it's great. I mean, obviously, you have your 20 of my brethren, PGA members, that are not going to challenge for this tournament in any way. And if one or two make the cut, it'll be a miracle. Um, so that makes the field a little weaker and more diluted. Um, but you still have 130 you know, some odd players that are phenomenal players that are, it should be a really good week. This golf course is, it's no joke in terms of accuracy. It's finally a major where you kind of need to hit the fairway, which is kind of nice. Shouldn't that be everyone? Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. Some of the golf courses have become like, there were days back in the day. I mean, yeah, the U.S. Open for years, Mike Reed had a chance to win every year, you know, and Andy North won too. And, you know, Scott Simpson, who wasn't really a long hitter, was always a perennial favorite. Hey, Payne Stewart, probably would not have had the career he had if he was a present-day player. He wasn't that long. Right. You know, I mean, guys were straighter. Curtis Strange won twice, for God's sakes, back-to-back, right? So, I mean, you had to have accuracy to win this tournament, win the U.S. Open. Now, all the majors are just, it's just a wide-open. It's a bomb fest. It really is. I mean, in in some ways, the Open Championship is the one where every year you just never know, you know, what the Plus the weather could always be. You just don't know. It could be a total, you know. (laughs) It's it's what makes it so fun because right, you just exactly. never know. I just think like the fact that these fairways are so tight is going to make the golf tournament much more fun to watch. In a way, we're going to see some guys, maybe like a a Kevin Kisner or somebody who hits the ball really straight and who's really accurate, keeps the ball in play. Those guys may have a chance this week in a major for the first time in a long time. So that's going to help. I think it's a better tournament when that's the case. I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't be that you have equal. Um, power and accuracy probably play an equal role but accuracy has to play some role it should and it just hasn't for a while so like this the fact that this week's going to be tough it's going to be wet that means that the fairway the rough's going to not get mowed and it's going to be long and nasty and wet brutal it's going to be unfun to be in that's going to help i think separate some of these guys that are longer and also looser and we may see some maybe a guy is smarter and he's taking two iron off some tees or three wood and hitting some more fairways we'll see Tiger's no dummy. He's going to play intelligently. He's going to do what he has to do to try and compete, stay in the tournament from that standpoint. You know, he's probably more capable of gearing back based on the demands of the golf course than any other top player in the world. So from that standpoint, that's an edge. I think Kepka is to be dealt with. Yep. Kepka made his first putt over 20 feet, I think it was. It was either 20 or 25 feet. The first time he made a putt that long last week. Really? In had, all year? Or you, yes. Oh, wow. So as good as he's played. Well, does that mean he's not putting well, or you, well, that I means mean, he's always so close to the pin? You could look at it a few right, ways, exactly. right? exactly. You could say, well, he's <laughs> stuffing it a lot. Yeah. Probably not the case. I mean, PJ Tour averages say from 20 feet you're going to make 15% of the putts. 
you're not making a lot of those as it is, but you'd like to make a few. Right. You know, he happened to make three last week. So, I mean, they sort of happen that way. You know, what happens if he made two 20-foot plus, plus putts at Augusta? He'd have a green jacket right now. You know, so true. Th- that's kind of where these guys are. You know, the guy that gets a couple more breaks or makes a couple more putts or that's the guy that's going to win. So picking a winner is really tough. You can kind of guess who's going to be in the mix in some events. But I think this week, all bets are off, man. Accuracy matters this week. Okay, but how about the happy medium between accuracy and the guys that can almost bomb it so far past everybody that they still have an edge if it's not too bad of a rough situation? You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. I mean, if I mean hitting, are there guys that should be hitting three woods and not have their drivers out this week? We'll see. I mean, if you're the good thing about being long is that if you do hit in the rough, you have a shorter club. You know, so it's an advantage even if you do miss the fairway versus another guy who's missed the fairway. Right. But we know that based on the data that if you're hitting from the fairway and you're hitting from the rough and you're on the same yardage, the guys from the rough tend to be 50% further from the hole, Hmm. regardless of the yardage that they're hitting from. So that does mean that it matters to hit some fairways for sure. You got to hit them. How about dark horses? Give me a couple of names. Wow. Um... Dark horses. I have a couple. How about Patrick Cantley? Yeah, great master. L.A. guy. Great masters. Yep. Really good masters. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's always quietly in the mix now. Yep. You know he seems to be a guy who's 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 poised to kind of a long shot too. That most people won't think. Hey, just another guy. Totally. But but he is now. I think has that confidence. Like I can play with these guys in the majors. I yeah. I I think like. Uh, It'll be interesting because New York offers its own challenge, right? I mean, who are they going to get on this week, Ted? Now, who's it going to be? It's true. I mean, Patrick Reed, he's probably going to get some abuse this well, week. Well, he's an easy one to, he's, to, get, he's easy nail. to get some abuse. Is, is John Rahm going to be a target maybe? I don't know. I mean, there's certain guys that based on their attitude and kind of the way they walk around, they may. that's a whole other animal to that's deal true. with. That's true. You know, I don't know. This is going to be a strange major in that way because you have a golf course that's a little different than the majors we've seen. You've got New York going. You may have some weather issues that are that are challenging. Although too. it's not supposed to be too bad. They say it's going to get a little warmer into the 60s mm-hmm. throughout the week. Not a lot of rain. Most of the rain's supposed to be today is the last day of the bad rain. Good. So it'll probably be a little bit soggy, but not too bad. Yeah, and I think you know, here, here, I really think the PGA of America, as they do a very good job of running a championship. I really believe that. The Better U- than the USGA? No doubt in my mind. Really? Yes. I sort of like the idea that they try and make it complex, but maybe too much. Is, is that what you're thinking? Or? Yeah, I just feel like the, the P... I, how do I say this the right way? Ah, screw it. I won't say it the right way. PJs no, run PJs run by professionals. Well, that's yeah. true. And this is what they do. Exactly. You know, I mean, they're, they're professionals in the game. So they understand that part of the game. I'm not, of course, saying that the USGA... I've just... It just seems like if you look at the number of mistakes that have been made in U.S. Opens and USGA events, I'm sorry, it's way disproportionate based on the number of events they run. Right. So somewhere in there, something's going quite wrong, and they're not doing the job they should be doing. We shouldn't be seeing all these crazy things go on, you know, from Mickelson hitting the ball, all that crap that we've seen. Yep. Something's up with the setup. So I think the PGA runs a very, very good event. I think the golf courses are never unfair. They're never stupid, and they're never hokey. They tend to be really good tracks, and they're taken care of properly, and they tend to be fair. So from that standpoint, I think they do an excellent job. So that part is good. 
I, I don't know. Dark horses are weird. I just feel like we're at we're at a point now where, you know, maybe maybe an older guy who, you know, is this Kucher's week? I know that he's not a dark horse. In sort a of a, like a Zach Johnson when he won the, totally, the because Masters. Because you've got a golf course that's asking for that, right? I mean, Kucher's not he's not short by no, any means, probably. but he's not the longest guy right. in the field. He hits it pretty darn straight. He's yep. a fade all day long and twice on Sunday and. That's what's going to hit. So you get at the fairway a lot. Guys like that that tend to keep the ball in play, they're going to have a major advantage this week. So I think you're going to see somebody hit fairways and greens. We may see some like actual golf from from our past where <laughs> where you actually had. Wow, to hit the there's fairway. a shock. I know it's weird, but I think you kind of <laughs> need to hit the fairway this week. Do you like John Rahm's game as much as I do? If, if he could just figure out how to deal with his own emotions and try not to kill himself every five minutes, <laughs> he's. He's a really good player. Yes. I mean, really good. Find a weakness. I mean, I think he's got number one written all over him. But he can never figure it out in his head. He's he doesn't really have a lot of weaknesses in his game. Right. The weaknesses have obviously been in the way that he talks to himself. So if at some point he figures out that he needs to be his own best friend on the golf course, then he's going to be probably winning a lot of majors. So in other words, negativity throughout is killing him. I just think, like, if you, you hear this story all the time from golf, from the world of golf, whether right. it's on the guy's side or the, or the women's side. The women's side, we've heard it with Jutana Garn last, two years ago when she became number one in the world, and we hear this across the board, which is the second I started to try to be good to myself on the golf course, I started getting better results. Huh. You know, lo and behold, it may be important. You know, I, I talk to my daughter who plays college golf about this all the time. Like, self-talk, it really, really matters. And, and I... I well, like an example, though, like self-talk. I uh, hit a bad shot. You're an idiot. You know, I can't believe you did that. What a dumbass. You know, all the things that right. you would say right. to yourself. By the way, did I ever tell you about <laughs> I had somebody make up, I think it was 500 or 1,000 T's. Because I used to say all the time, this is 30 years ago at least, when I would hit a bad tee shot, I would say, you are just the wimp of the decade. Yeah. I would call myself the wimp of the decade. I don't know why. I haven't thought of this in 25 years, but it came back to me. Mm. And I used to, and so they bought me for my birthday, like a thousand T's that says wimp of the decade on it. Then you finally stop saying it after you broke them all, or? Is that like not the smartest thing in the no, world I mean, to see be, that T every time you tee it up? Horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> is that like the dumbest thing in the history? of mean everything you shouldn't be doing. Nothing is that, my next book would be one, two, you're an idiot. Yeah, or one, two, wimp of the decade. <laughs> I mean, you just, that's part of the game. You know, part of the game is, I, I tell my players all the time, <laughs> do you have a younger sibling? You know, would you ever talk to them like that if they missed a shot? Okay. You know, sense. and if you, of course you wouldn't, you know, you'd say, don't worry about it. It's okay. You'll get into the next one. You know, it's, it's a learning experience, whatever the things are, but we don't offer ourselves that, that forgiveness. You know, we're so hard on ourselves all the time. So I don't know, somebody like Rom, who's got all this upside, he's obviously, there's no reason he shouldn't be winning major championships during his career. But, you know, to do that, you got to be good to yourself. You really have, there's nothing wrong with getting frustrated. That's one thing, Ugh, you know, that's okay. Get it out. It's a completely different thing to say bad things to yourself about yourself when you're playing. You just can't do that. You know, you can't do it in, as a pitcher in baseball. You just, th those things don't work. You're better off having swagger. You're better off blaming, you know, the mud on the ball or, right. you know, your teacher. Anything but yeah. yourself. Exactly. You, okay, I, so, oh, teacher, Brady Riggs. Yeah. Let me ask you this then. The yeah. two words that I think the best prescription for that, have fun. Mm. 
Does that make any sense at all? Now, I know it's easier to say when you're not hitting the ball well and you're saying there's nothing fun about golf when it's a four-letter word, baby, any way you look at it, when you're not hitting it right. I mean, an amateur, 100%. There's no reason. Amateur Even a pro. Pros are tougher, man. I mean, this is their career, so livelihood Okay, is. but put all that aside. I get that. But is there a way to say, because I've said this to guys, Kyle Stanley, remember mm-hmm. when he had the big sure. meltdown yeah. at yeah. Torrey Pines? He's in my book because I covered him, and he cried after I asked him the first question, mm-hmm. and that was one of the most difficult days of my life dealing with this. But I said to him, since, at the Masters, mm-hmm. I saw him recently, and I said, is there a way that you could just have fun when things aren't going well, and he goes, "It's a good swing thought." Hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, good swing thought. Have fun. Mine always is just hit it solid. Don't worry about where it goes. Right. So those are kind of things that take a little of the responsibility of the result away. Okay. You know, stuff like that. I, I think everybody's wired different, right? I mean, you can tell Tiger to have fun. I don't think the Tiger's gonna have fun. I think I think Fred Couples might have more fun. You know, Lee Trevino certainly had fun. I don't know if Jack did. You know, it's like it has That's to be. That's true. That's a good point. How are you wired? You know, is it your of, personality? Yeah, it's, it's how's your personality? What are you? But like? isn't it supposed to be fun? I don't know about that. I mean, it's a, wow. It's a game invented probably by drunk Scotsmen <laughs> herding their sheep across the highlands, <laughs> whacking rocks with sticks. I mean, and we're trying to make it logical, and, you know, and have fun doing it. I, I, I think, yeah, for an amateur, absolutely, you're supposed to have a good time. Remember what your expectation should be, right? If you don't practice, you don't play, you're not a professional. Have By the way, time. listeners, Brady will be stealing that. Every single amateur, have fun. I think it works. Exactly. <laughs> I just think, like, that player should just, they should just be enjoying the day, right? Exactly. And you're outside. But, you know, professional, it's a different world. I mean, this is what you work your life towards, you know? I mean, I didn't, I never played sports to have fun. I played sports because I love to win. I love to compete. I want, But I want that's the, fun. Competing I, I is know, fun. Just, it, to guess, me, it is. I just it's probably see that's the way my my brain def- definition. You yep. know, like I loved the whole journey of it. I loved the challenge. I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could come through in the clutch. You know, that to me was what it was all about. But when you got home and you did come through in the clutch, wasn't that fun? In a way, I would just say like, wow, I, you're tough. I'm well. I would just say it this way. I I have a friend of mine I play hockey with still. Actually, we have a game tonight, and I would just say that we both have the same mentality towards it. I hate losing way more than I enjoy the winning. That's not good, though. I understand that. I get that that's not a... You're I'm, psychotic in I, many ways. I don't deny that. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, not everybody's capable of, like, boxing it. To your right, I should just be having a good time out here. I think, you know, for some people, this is this is why they get up in the morning. I mean, it's no fun to go train all day and practice and no. get up at five and all those things so when you have an opportunity to do something in the game that you've worked your whole life that's towards, the fun part to me it may be it also may be like for them it's it's an opportunity to reach their goal you know so but no matter what it is in that circumstance you can't be crappy to yourself you can't be if you're crappy to yourself you're not going to succeed i don't you can call it fun call it whatever you want but you got to be able to get out of that space fast and get into the process and the process is what does a good shot look like right now? What am I trying to hit? You know, where's that going to start? How much is that going to curve? You know, what does that feel like to me? Practice swing feels that way. Walking in my routine, number of looks I got, whatever that is, so that by the time I'm ready to go and I've got one positive thought, like smoke this thing or hit it solid, whatever it is, it's a positive thought, then I can execute under the gun and then that's where you're at. You know, that's really what it comes down to. And all the practice and all the training and all the work you've done, it, it's all building on that moment, you know, and how to make it come out in this hard game that we have to initiate action, you know, we can't just return a serve here. We got to serve. 
you know. Right. So from that standpoint, that's what the that's what golf's why it's so fun, right? We're if it's fun, it's because it's all of those things have come into this moment, and now we got to execute, and it makes it great. Okay, great. we talked about the PGA Championship. Yeah. Let's wind this thing down okay. with, if you could tell any golfer just one thing to always remember besides one, two, through or have fun. One, two, through and have fun. Yeah. My two, what two would favorites. you tell them? And tell them also, never look at Ted Sobel's grip. You told me it's the ugliest grip in the history. Well, this was years ago. I have improved, You've thanks improved to you, and to a point. It's been worse since years, yes. <laughs> That's saying a lot. And he's trying to give me positive swing thoughts. Exactly. Yeah, there's worse than you, Ted. Uh, well, I'm just helping you uh, yes. just, you know, be okay. Yeah, you're helping you me are. go back to tennis, is what exactly. you're helping me. What, what, was, was, what, was, what would you tell anybody, just something to remember to say, you know, this will be always a good thought in your mind, whatever your issues are with your swing i'd say stick to finish if i had to give you stick to finish yeah if i had to give you one thing whether it's putting chipping pitching sand irons or the driver if you can have a good picture where you're trying to end up you do a practice swing that gets to that place even with putting hold the end of the finish of putting stroke whatever it is if you can kind of focus on that it'll help you connect the dots and get there you need a picture you know, I need to work towards that. So no technical thoughts. If that would, if that's one thing, that would be it. It would be get to the finish. Because I always asked you, how do I get a high finish? I love the high finish. Mm -hmm. My finish is so low that it's six feet under. I mean, it's really embarrassing mm -hmm. at times. And you said, don't worry about your finish. Just worry about where you're swinging at and you're aiming at the target. And right. your body is aiming at the target when you're done. But I don't think I've ever stuck the finish. I've sort of stuck myself in places I shouldn't have stuck myself. True. I think, though, like, that's part of what the training is, right? Like, okay. you're trying to know where that is and be able to get to that spot. But high finish, low finish, short finish, wrapped around, doesn't matter. That's not really the important. The important thing is to have a, a destination. You know, Gary Player used to say, I heard, I've heard him that he said this, it's, he said, you gotta park your car at the, in the garage at night. Okay. And so his mentality was the same thing. Like, I gotta get to the end of my motion, wherever the heck ah, that is. Okay. So it's just a way of kind of organizing yourself that no matter what is going on, no matter what you're doing, if you can get to the finish and have some balance there and be able to stick it for a second, you've got a pretty good shot at hitting a good shot, you know? I haven't hit a lot of bad shots in my life when I've done that. You know, it's always been my go-to in tournament golf. It's like, no matter how nervous I am or I barely put the ball on the tee, you know. Right. But in those circumstances, that's what I stick with. Yeah. Okay, by the way, have you ever had an opportunity to play in the PGA? No, I haven't. I haven't tried to play in the Why? PGA. Wouldn't I, that be a blast it to It would do be it fun. Once? I just feel like, you know, I, I, I'm not a serious competitive golfer anymore. Right. That stopped for me. But even when you were? When I was, I... It just wasn't at that point in my life. You okay. know, when I stopped competing full-time, I wasn't a PGA member yet. Oh, okay. So those years didn't overlap at all. So by the time so I if became, they did, you might have? I might have. I yeah. might have, you know. I mean... That would have been a challenge, huh? It would have been fun. Yeah. It would have been fun. I played with a lot of guys that have won big stuff, you know. And I've beaten those guys. Not nearly as much as they beat me, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But I've had my moments, you know. But yeah, I think I think that'd be fun. I mean, the fun part for me now is watching my players compete and do that kind of thing. You know, that that's really fun. It's much worse though than doing it yourself. You, know, oh, you have zero control. It's right. horrifying. <laughs> you know, it's even worse when it's your own kid. Yeah, exactly. That's terrible. Yeah. So no, I I, I would have probably in another lifetime maybe that would have happened for me, but it didn't. It was fine. You know, no I, I get to do other stuff. Sure. Okay. And you probably root for all the guys that are out there now, right? Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I mean, it's fun watching. I, I it was fun watching guys that you watched play growing up 
go out and do it. There's a guy on the Champions Tour. He got out there last year. His name's Ken Tanagawa. Okay. He's an L.A. guy. Yeah. He played for UCLA. Okay. He was on the – he played in Asia for a while as a pro. Fabulous player. But he went out and tried to get his tour card for the Champions Tour, which I don't know if you know. It's really hard to do because they don't really not interested in some right. No they name want yet. names. They want names. Yeah. Well, he managed to do that, and he won last year at Pebble Beach. Oh, that's great. So that was really cool because were that's you a, there? No, I wasn't oh, there. Okay. But that's a guy that I played against and played a lot of golf with. That's and, outstanding. And just kind of like that story that you, you know never happens, right? Where the guy didn't make it and he went and got a job, and then. You know, he's going to go out and play one more time. Well, he actually had the fairy tale come true. Yeah, probably a nice check for that day, huh? Indeed. Indeed, he's, he's actually done quite well this year as well. That's great. I remember watching him a few times. I totally forgot he was yeah, from he's L.A. A great player. Yeah. That's great. Last thing. Yeah. Um, it's in my book. Yeah. I got a chapter with you and Eddie Marins in it. Okay. Uh, totally separate. I got Eddie and then you. Yeah, and it should be in that order. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. But there are, <laughs> there are three words that you have to tell the people. Do you know which three words I'm talking about? Swing the handle? No, that's his words, your words. Oh, no. If I remember correctly, there's three words, and it's the story about you and your teaching. Oh, no. Hump the ball. Yes. Uh, You've got to be able to describe that to the folks out there listening because it's more than just those words, I hope. (laughs) Yes. Well, basically what happens to a lot of people is if you drew a line from, let's say you're looking at the player and you can see the target off in the distance. So you're standing with a camera behind them. Okay. And you drew a line vertically to the ground and it touched the back of their tush straight up and down to the ground. Got it. Most great players that you find will swing and when they're at impact, their left cheek is now touching the line that their butt was touching at setup. They've turned their hips, but they're still no closer to the ball. Got it. Well, imagine if you did, if you could, If you could toggle between setup and impact with a player who had gotten closer to the ball than they were at address. Well, you can imagine the motion that that would look like. So this is where this came from. There's a little uh, Elvis in there, right? Indeed. So this is a thing called, we call it early extension, is your your lumbar spine, you know, goes up towards the ball. It's kind of like doing a pelvic tilt. And what's interesting is all great players make that motion through impact. They actually do have a pelvic tilt. Their tummy rises. If you look at any good player, their belt buckle will come up as they're striking. That's the absolute thing you've told me and showed me on video, and I can't even think about doing it. It will happen, but it always should. It should happen at the target, and not towards the ball. Okay, that's the difference. So an amateur does that in the direction of the ball. They never got enough rotation to have that tummy go up towards the target it's the way you turn the hip then it's it's the amount and the way okay so people usually start in their heels and when you start in your heels you don't stay there you know wherever you start in golf you won't be able to stay so if you start in heels you're going to go towards your toes well you can only imagine that takes you in the direction you don't want to go so we got to fix their setup with their weight and stuff and then teach them how to use their hips so basically that motion is correct it's correct to have thrust through your stomach up up as you hit the ball you just don't want to do it at the ball you want to do it as you're striking the ball with your tummy going up towards the target and that's that's a big it's a huge thing for speed we teach all the kids to do it you'd see the original silver scott tommy armor if you look at him in black and white film he does it hmm. and it's gone through all the decades of golf and it, and it still continues to this day and rory does it better than anybody really? justin thomas is a, is great at it and this is nothing new Okay. There are there are no new things. No, but what is new is thrust and extension yes. and humping the ball. <laughs> I'm not even thinking golf, but yes. you somehow were able to do that. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, that's one of the great things about studying, knowing your history. You know, if you watch players from the past, you see all the commonalities, and, and it makes it really fun to be able to kind of, how does that translate to somebody today, and how can I help them 
be great at this. See, it's back to my two words, have fun. And your three words, one, two, and, and through. And goodbye. Exactly. We're done. Brady Riggs, nice talking to you. It was nice a blast. Thank you, Ted. Thanks. Indeed. Hope you enjoyed our podcast here on Touching Greatness. Coming up, the PGA Championship from Beth Page Black. That's going to be fantastic this weekend. Enjoy your golf weekend, everybody. I am still Ted Sobel, and thanks for joining us. Hi, yes, Darren Clark, and you're listening to Touching Greatness. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.